Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Happy New Year. You, you know, I don't, I don't know. There's something interesting that happens when we just turn the page of the calendar. In reality, nothing really changed, right? Yet, going from 23 to 24, maybe it's because it's a milestone, maybe because it's just definitive. It, it feels different sometimes. Uh, somebody asked me this week um, to say three words that would describe 2023 for me. And it's a simple question, but for whatever reason, man, it, it sent me into a loop. I started really thinking deeply about it, and it took a little while. The, the first set that I said was life-changing. I know that's two words, but we're going to call it one. Life-changing. Um, this year, or, or last year, 2023, uh, early in the year, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And his wife, the lady that he married after my mom passed away, um, her dementia has just continued to progress. And so we're dealing with two people that are having a very tough time. And so it was life-changing certainly for them, but life-changing for my family and myself and just needing to provide care in a completely different way than I expected. Um, you know, just, it's very, very different. And the second word that came eventually was, um, it's not a great word, it, it's the word disappointment. And the disappointment was because, you know, when I started the year, I had all these things I wanted to accomplish. Things at home, things with my family, things in ministry, everything, and just a lot of it didn't happen. And, and some of that's just because I wasn't able to put the effort against it. But then the third word was thankful. Thankful. Through all of the crud, all of the different things that happened during the year, God was with us. He walked beside me. He walked beside my family and my dad and his wife. And he's walking amazingly beside us as a church family. Um, as a pastor, I get a unique view of seeing what's happening with all of you and hearing these stories of how God is active in your lives, how change is happening. And yes, a lot of us are definitely works in progress. And there's more work to be done, but it's amazing what is happening. And so just incredibly thankful for that. I think part of my issue with trying to come up with three words was, what am I going to say next year? What would I like to say about 2024? How many of you guys have New Year's resolutions? Maybe it's a little cliche to have some of those, right? Okay. We're a weekend. How many of you are already done with your New Year's resolution? Right? That happens a lot, right? You know, I think sometimes we think of the usual things, uh, health, fitness, diet, all of those things. Um, I was on track with some fitness goals and some weight goals in the, in the fall and doing pretty well, and then December happened, and it all happened, you know, back to it again. Um, I'm not where I want to be. Um, maybe it's because I'm aging, I don't know, but certainly there's some things there. 
I think the issue, though, with resolutions, like a lot of things, is it takes being intentional, right? Being deliberate, being consistent, and just doing it, right? How about on the financial side? You guys have some goals for the year? Maybe get out of debt this year? Maybe uh, finding a better job to have a little more income, or on the other side, controlling your spending so that you don't need as much. Maybe this is the year to pay off your credit cards or student loans. Uh, let's say this morning that in my pocket I have $1,440. Now I don't, I'm a pastor. I don't have that kind of cash, okay? But let's just, just go with me, okay? I have $1,440. James, if I gave that to you, would you take it? Yeah. Absolutely, right? No doubt. Okay. All right. Let's say I have $1,440. Josh, would you take it if I gave it to you every day? Sure. Sure. No doubt, right? Okay. Brandon, I have $1,440. I'm going to give it to you every day, but you, the catch is, you have to spend $20 of it on me yeah. every day. It's good, right? No problem, right? Take me to lunch, buy me a new shirt every once in a while. I don't know, right? We could do that, right? It's a good deal, right? I mean, I give you $1,440. You spend 20 of it on me. We still have $1,420. It's still a great deal, right? Do you realize that every minute of your life is a gift from God? Every single minute is a gift. It's a gift you can't control. We don't get to pick how many minutes we get. He gives it to us. We live it. We experience it. In the Hebrew portion of the Bible, there's this word ruach. Okay? Ruach, like a lot of the Hebrew words, has a lot of different you know, subtleties to it. It means everything from the Holy Spirit to God's will to breath. Breath. In a lot of ways, ruach can also be kind of thought of as kind of the inner I don't know, inner energy, power, whatever, that allows us to get up every morning, to be alive, ruach, okay? And so in Genesis, God gave his ruach to Adam, and he stood up and he lived. It's a gift from God. Every single day, God gives us 1,440 minutes doesn't it seem like we could spend 20? 20 minutes every day with God. And yet, we don't do it, do we? We talk about obstacles. Oh, I'm just way too busy. I got too much going on. I intend to do it, but then stuff happens and I don't. 1,440 minutes a day. 20 just... Let's be honest, not spending 20, that's just absurd, right? You guys with me on this? When we put it in that perspective, 20 minutes is like almost nothing, and yet it's huge to spend with God. As we start 2024, as, as pastors, we kind of wanted to do something this year because we, we just want us as a church family to grow spiritually incredibly this year. And so we thought we'd start with a sermon series. We're just calling it Live the Life. And for a few weeks here, we're just going to walk through what we think are the essentials, the basics 
the building blocks of your relationship with God, one step at a time. Now, right now, um, my social media feeds, my email box is just being flooded with all sorts of fitness junk, right, ads. Um, I looked at one, and now they've got me, and I'm just getting a ton. Um, the thing about it is they, they have these incredible promises, don't they? There's one right now. If you do this particular type of cardio for 10 minutes, your body will continue to burn fat for the next 40 hours. If only that was true. Right? We want it to be true, but there's no way. The only way to get in shape is to exercise, to do it. The only way to lose weight is to really control what you're eating. Eat the right things. It's pretty simple. Change only comes with intentionality, with efforts, with consistency. About our relationship with God. Exactly the same. How can we grow our relationship with God if we never spend time with Him? If we're not intentional about it? If we're not coming to Him and thanking Him? If we're not listening to Him? We can't grow. Now, there's a number of ways that God talks to us. These are probably the most common, right? Up on the screen. The first one is audible voice. It's actually not very common. I've never heard God speak in an audible voice, right? Um, but we know it happens. Scripture talks about it. The way that maybe is a little more common for us is we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us once we accept Christ and the Spirit talks to us. And hopefully over time, we hear it. As we were praying earlier, hopefully you were hearing the Holy Spirit guiding you on what to pray for. And again, I don't think of the Holy Spirit in my life as an audible voice, but when he is speaking to me, it's pretty clear. Mike, go do this. Go take care of this. Go be with this person, whatever. It's pretty clear. Another way that he speaks to us is through situations. Things happen in life. And as they happen, sometimes God orchestrates that for us to hear something from him or to wake up so we come back to him, whatever it may be. He also works through people. You ever had one of those things, you're in the grocery store and you just, you know, impromptu talk with somebody and, and they say something to you and it goes, ooh, that's going to stick with me, right? It happens all the time. I call them divine appointments. They're not ones that I set in my calendar, and yet it's pretty clear that God has orchestrated those to happen, right? But the main way I think God speaks to us that we can hear is through this, the Bible, right? The Bible is a huge instrument that God uses to speak to us all the time. We're also told those first four the way we're supposed to check to see if they are actually from God, what we think we're hearing, is to check it against this. If it's different than what this is telling us, then it's not from God. But we got to know what this says in order to check it, to do the fact check, right? We've got to be in this regularly. So I think this is the very first essential to growing in our relationship with God, is spending time in the Bible reading. Now, some of you say, hey, uh, I don't spend a lot of time reading, but I pray a lot. That's good. And you should continue that. And next week, we're going to talk about prayer. 
But let's be honest. I think a lot of times when we pray, we're just talking about us. And we're not listening. We're not hearing God in that process. And so I think, again, reading is the number one way for us to hear God, to be clear on what he wants us to know. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who doesn't listen? Don't look at your spouse. (laughs) Don't elbow the person next to you right now, okay? It's not a good relationship if you're never listened to or if you don't listen, right? Back when I was a children's pastor, I used to say this all the time. God has given us one mouth and two ears because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. And so this is listening, being in the Bible. Again, I think it's impossible to grow without reading the Bible consistently. Psalm 119 speaks all about God's word. And I'm going to have us turn to there. That's where we're going to camp out today. An easy way to find it, take your Bible, split it in half, and you're probably really close to Psalm 119. It's kind of the center of the Bible or pretty close to it. Um, Psalm 119 is 176 stanzas long. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Don't worry, we're not going to go all the way through it today. (laughs) We just don't have time. Interesting thing about the Psalm, it's poetry. And so it was written as an acrostic. You'll notice that there's these different words right before it, words that we're not familiar with. Those are the names of the different Hebrew characters. There's 22. It's their alphabet. And what's lost on us is in the Hebrew, um, each of the stanzas, the eight verses after that, that character, um, is all about that character. It would be like alliteration using, if we, if we started with A, and we'd have apple and Abel, and we'd have a lot of A words in there, or at least that sound. So we lose a little bit in reading it in English, but it's still worth reading, okay? Let's go ahead and dive in here. I'm just going to start at verse 1. It says, Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all of their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. For you have charged us to keep your commands carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I would not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please do not give up on me. First stanza. The the writer of this psalm is preoccupied with God's word. And he's going to use a number of different words, things like law and commands and precepts and decrees and scripture, and that all means the Bible. Now, again, we're not going to go through all of the verses today, but I'd really like to go through the next stanza, the next eight verses, 9 to 16. And we're just going to walk through that this morning. Verse 9, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? Notice it says stay pure, not get pure. We get pure with our relationship with Jesus. That's the gospel. That we can't clean up ourselves on our own, but when we accept Christ, we're forgiven. He starts to heal us. He transforms us. We get pure. And once we do that, the next step is to stay pure. And we can do that by being in his word regularly. 
But then it's not just about being in his word. It's the next part, by obeying your word. We actually have to follow it. Verse 10, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. Some translations will say, I've tried to seek you. Okay? And then once you find him, it's not, don't let me wander from you. It's don't let me wander from your commands. When we follow Jesus, we stay with him. That's how we stay with him. We follow him. Scripture says that we know that we love him when you obey his words. Reading the Bible isn't a one-time experience. It's not a one and done. This is a book for life. For life. Because there's always going to be something new in for it for us to learn to be transformed. The Holy Spirit illuminates the text. Whenever you pick it up and read, pray first. The Holy Spirit will illuminate it for you. It will show you new things, things that you need to hear in that moment, maybe because you need them, or maybe because you need to hear them so that you can help somebody else with them. The Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. It'll encourage us. It'll motivate us and it'll equip us as we go through this book. Verse 11. This one's probably familiar. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's interesting. Um, in the ancient times, they had no idea what the brain was for. Okay? They hadn't figured that out yet. But what they knew was this thing inside of your chest, your heart, if it stops beating, you're dead. Right? Okay? So they pictured that the heart was the center of you, the core of you, the most important part. Okay? So when we read in the Bible and it talks about the heart, that's what it means. You will actually not find the word brain anywhere in the Bible. Okay? Heart is the way to think about it. And our hearts represent our attitudes, our perspective, the way we view things, the way we make changes in our life or decisions, it's our beliefs. It's the core. So what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to take God's word and hide it in our heart, bring it into our core. And that hiding means, how do we do it? We, we do it by reading, by rereading, by studying, by ruminating. Ruminating means going over it and over it again by memorizing scripture. And why do we need to hide God's word in our heart? So we don't sin. Uh, this year, as you start to think about the areas you want to grow, or as Tim talked about, entangling sin, besetting sin, things that just keep coming up over and over again, one way to have victory over that is to memorize Scripture that tie to those things. Because if you have Scripture in your head that's about some issue you're facing, you're going to be thinking about it. It's going to help you be able to follow God's Word and obey in that moment. You can find so much scripture in here about things like being patient, about being sexually pure, about avoiding addiction, about releasing worry, forgiving others, loving others well. Did I hit on any issues for you? Point is, it's all in here if we're willing to memorize. And one of the best ways I think to memorize is on your phone. My, my opening screen on my phone is whatever scripture I'm working on at that moment. 
I mean, how many times a day do you open up your phone, right? And each time I look at it and go, oh, this is the verse I'm working on. I read through it. And it helps me memorize. Another great way is just to put it on a post-it note, slam it on the, the bathroom mirror. And every time you're brushing your teeth morning and night, you read it. Over time, you'll hide it in your heart. Verse 12. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. Teach me. For some of us who've been walking with Christ for a long time, um, we need to remember this. We need to have a teachable spirit. Uh, Oftentimes, we kind of start to think that we know it all, that we've arrived. We're always a work in progress. We're not going to arrive. We need to be taught. We need to listen. And again, one of the ways I tell you to do that, pray every time you open up the Bible, just a short prayer. Holy Spirit, illuminate this text. Open up my heart. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear what you have for me. And help me remember it. The Bible is God's revelation to us. It's a book about him. It's about what he wanted us to know about who he is. There is one story in the Bible. One main character, that's Jesus. And the story is what we call the Misio Dei. That's a Latin set of words for God's mission. How he loved us how he sent his son to die for us so that he can redeem all of creation back to himself. That's the point of this book. Uh, Some of you may have heard an old acronym uh, for the Bible that it's basic instructions before leaving earth, right? It's kind of an easy thing to remember. I used to really like that. I don't like that so much anymore, okay? And here's why. Um, I think when we think of it as basic instructions, it becomes about us. What do we need? Right? Um, and so I think that's an issue. It should be about Jesus. He should be the center. And so what we really need to think about is, again, it's about him. I think when we think about it as basic instructions, it becomes a user manual. How many of you use user manuals? Right? Maybe at the very beginning when you get something, you do some setup, but then... Do you keep into it? Not so much, right? Um, Then it becomes something you use just for troubleshooting and for problem solving instead of really being focused. So instead, think of it as God's living word about him. It's his revelation. And when we cry out and we say, where are you, God? Where are you in my life? The question is, are you opening this up and reading? Fair enough? Okay, verse 13. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. How often other than Sunday morning do you hear scripture read aloud? Can you imagine the power that you would unleash into your relationships if you shared what you just read? What would happen in your marriages, our marriages, if we read and we go, hey, God just taught me this, let me read it to you out loud? It'd be amazing. And you can do that with your family and your friends and your coworkers. Anytime that we repeat what we've heard or we teach it, it solidifies it in our heart. It's a great thing to do. Verse 14. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. Earlier we said, why do we hide God's word in our heart? So that we don't sin. We should be rejoicing that we're not sinning. As we read this and as we obey, we should rejoice that 
God has put these guardrails in our lives to protect us of what's going on. That we can celebrate with him that we're obeying him and following him. That we're avoiding sin and its consequences. There are riches here. There are good things. I I like to think of our hearts sometimes as like an old photographic plate. You know, the type that when it's exposed to light, an image appears, right? Think of it this way. Every time that you're in God's word, you're exposing yourself to the light. And the image that starts to appear on our heart is Christ. And we become more like him all the time. Verse 15. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. Study and reflect. Study and reflect over and over. We could use the word meditate here. Now that word, unfortunately, our culture has screwed that word up, right? Uh, we think that sometimes when we hear meditate that, you know, well, we're going to start to hum. Uh, I need to empty myself into the oneness of the cosmos. That's false. Okay? Instead, Christian meditation is exactly opposite. It's being filled with God. Filling with him. So then we become what I call leaky. We leak God to everybody else. Again, put scripture where you can see it. Memorize it. Work on it. I also find it interesting here in verse 15 that there's maybe an emphasis on the word your. I will study your commandments. I will reflect on your ways. Today there is an incredible emphasis on our opinions, our thoughts. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody where they go, well, I think that God is, and they fill in the blank. I, I think God just wants us to be happy, right? But what does Scripture actually say? Scripture actually says God wants us to be joyful. But happy is a whole different thing. We can be joyful even in suffering when we're walking with him. So we have to know this word and trust on what it says and not our opinions. If you want to get to know somebody, you spend time with them. If you want to get to know somebody who has lived and died, you pick up their autobiography. This is God's autobiography. This is how to get to know him. Spend time in it. Verse 16. And I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Some English translations have not neglect your word. Um, which could make us think a little bit about, well, neglect is maybe not reading or being in it. But I think the context is more like, I don't forget your word. In other words, I don't forget to follow it, to do it. One of the most dangerous phrases I think a Christian can say is something like this. I know the Bible says this, but I'm going to do something else. That's dangerous. I think it's pointless to read the Bible if we're not going to follow it, right? And that takes time and effort. Yes. I think you get the gist of Psalm 119 just walking through that. It's worth reading the rest of it. But I think that you kind of got the idea of where it's going. Now, in reading the Bible, I think there's a number of obstacles that keep us from it. Um, Just out of curiosity, how many of you have read the entire Bible before? 
Quite a few hands. How many of you have read it multiple times? Almost the same hands. That's good. But there's a lot of us who haven't, maybe. Um, personally, I work on kind of a reading plan that gets me through the Bible, the entirety of it, in about a year, 14 months or so. At the same time, I go through the Psalms two or three times. I go through all of the Gospels four to six times. Okay? And you're probably sitting there going, of course you do, Mike, because you're a pastor. Right? That's your job. No, that's not my job. That's my relationship with God. That's what I do, hopefully before ministry, is that relationship. And guess what? How long does it take me every day to do that? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. So a lot of the obstacles, the first one that people often list is time. (laughs) But I think we've kind of debunked that one, right? We have the time. We have to make it a priority. If you spend the time, I guarantee your life will have change. Within a week, within a month, certainly within a year. Make the time. Schedule it on your calendar app. 20 minutes, here it is. Make it a priority. In fact, make it the priority, right? One of the other questions that often comes up is just the question, is the Bible reliable? How do we know that the Bible we have is actually what God says? That it hasn't been changed? Um, Some of you may remember an old commercial in the 1970s. It was for the Xerox Copier Corporation. And it was this bumbling monk who was sitting there trying to copy the Bible, right? And he was making mistakes. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's the copy machine, right? A Xerox. And he walks up and he starts making perfect copies. That's about the same time that in our culture started taking root of this thought that the Bible was inaccurate, that we couldn't trust it, that it has tons of errors. The modern translations that you can purchase today, I assure you they use the latest scholarship, the earliest manuscripts that we have, and these manuscripts have all been authenticated by Dead Sea Scrolls, by all sorts of archaeological work. We can trust that what we use today to do translations is correct, okay? How many of you have ever read Plato? We don't have any original copies of Plato's works. We have about 250 ancient manuscripts of Plato. That's it. And yet we don't question the authenticity of Plato. We don't have any original manuscripts of the New Testament, but... We have somewhere around 6,000 ancient manuscripts in Greek, 10,000 in Latin, and 9,000 in other languages. That's 25,000 ancient manuscripts of the New Testament. A hundred times what we have of Plato. We can trust it. It's reliable. Kind of associated with this is just maybe another one. What translation do I use? And the problem is, is that The Bible was originally written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. So anytime we open up an English or Spanish Bible, well, it's a translation. Um, Whenever translating committees come get together, what they do is they they sit and they go through and they say, okay, what what philosophy are we going to use to translate? Are we going to be word perfect or are we going to be kind of thought or sentence perfect? And so that's part of the reason why we have so many different variations, is just which, which part of that spectrum are they on? 
Um, the best translation for you to use is the one that you actually read. Okay? If, you're, if you have any doubts about your translation you want to read and you have some questions, come talk to me. Translations are just a passion of mine. I've read so many different translations and done research and things on them that I'd be glad to talk you through and we can find a translation that works for you. At Mountain View Fellowship, we use what we call the New Living Translation or NLT. It's one that was translated to be sentence perfect, the thought, okay? Um, so it's really great. It's easy to read. It's also made to be easy to read out loud, which is why as pastors, we like to use it so we don't stumble, okay? But any Bible that's modern, that's up to date, Please, that's a good version. One of the other obstacles is people just don't like to read. I think now we're starting to get into the real obstacles. Um, the good news is today you live in an age where you can listen to the Bible. You can pull up on your phone a, an app that we recommend called YouVersion, and YouVersion's got lots of different translations, and you can listen to the Bible. That's a great way to do it. However, here's my thought on it. Only listen to it if you're actually focused on it. I hear a number of people that say, well, I don't read, but I listen to it while I'm driving to work. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not sure I'm going to count that as the 20 minutes, and here's why. Hopefully, when you're driving, you're focused on driving. Right? And so, if you're like me, I'll be listening to something for a while, and then I'll be like five minutes later, what did I just hear? Because I'm not focused on it. It's not the same as being face-to-face -face with God and actually listening, okay? Um, I really strongly recommend that you have a paper Bible, okay? We can read it on our phones, but reality is we're going to get a text, we're going to get a notification, we're going to get something that's going to distract us. But sitting there with a paper Bible, there's something special about it, and we can take notes, we can mark it up, you can get one that you can color pictures on the side as you're reading, whatever. But the point is to focus, to be here, okay? Now, some of you I know reading is hard. It really is hard. You struggle with it. So a great way to do this is actually to listen to the Bible while reading it. And that way you're getting it two ways and you'll actually keep your focus. Maybe a related one is that the Bible's hard to understand. And the truth is there is some things that are hard to understand. There's some pieces when, you know, if you jump in for the first time reading Galatians or Romans or Leviticus or one of the Chronicles, they're kind of hard to read for different reasons. But the struggle is worth it. It's good to go through that. It shouldn't just be easy. Relationships take effort. And I think through that, you will understand it more when you're really trying to understand it versus just reading the pages, the words off the page. Again, start with the Holy Spirit. Ask for his help in those hard things. And when you get done, if you still have questions, there's lots of people here in this church body and our family who are willing and able to answer questions. So find somebody and ask those questions. However, I think the biggest obstacle to us not reading the Bible is simply our sin. Our sin. It's not that we don't understand what we're reading, we just don't want to hear it. We don't like being convicted of our sin, do we? There's a great quote that Dwight Moody said. He said, the Bible will keep you from sin or your sin will keep you from the Bible. And I think that's true. I think we all know our sin. And we react when we're convicted about it or faced with it. We often go, hey, don't tell me how to live my life. 
But we need to be told how to live our life. Left to our own, we will always be in sin. But if we're told about our sin, it can change. The goal of life is to become more and more Christ-like. And so we've got to be told and convicted. And then there's one last obstacle, I think, to reading, and that's often, where do I start? How many of you um, in the last week or so has, have started reading the whole Bible in a year? Quite a few, right? You guys started in Genesis? Yeah, so you're like Genesis 30 or something right now, somewhere in there. It's a great way to read. Um, the first five or six times I read the Bible, that's how I did it, cover to cover. If you don't have a plan right now, I would recommend a different way. It has to do with the fact that the Greek word for Bible, biblios, means library. The Bible is not a normal book. It's actually 66 different books put together. You don't have to read those books in any particular order. There's some better ways maybe, but you can dive in. And if you know me and have some conversations, you know I recommend starting in the Gospel of Mark. If you're brand new, always start there. It's just a great way to begin. If we're going to be Christians, we've got to know who Christ is. Or you can just start in the New Testament. Just read through the New Testament first, then go back to the Old Testament. You should absolutely read the Old Testament, but if you're brand new, the New Testament's going to help you understand the Old Testament, be able to see Jesus in it, okay? Which is kind of the birthplace of an idea that we have. We're going to call it the New Testament 2024 Challenge. Starting tomorrow morning, January 8th, we want you to spend 20 minutes starting to read through the New Testament. And we're just going to do it in order. Just start Matthew and start going. The sheets of paper that were on your chair are a reading plan. And I've just gone through and just kind of balanced out the reading plan based on trying to have about 20 minutes of reading each day. Plus or minus a little bit. Some days maybe a little more, some days a little less. But read through. If you spend 20 minutes a day, in 62 days you will be done with the New Testament. Um, you can use the paper copy, but if you want, you can receive this reading list in a text every morning at 7 a.m. So if you just text NT24 to the number 720-999-9075, you text it tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., you will get a text and it'll tell you, read these chapters of Matthew, and we'll just walk through it. One other thing I'd like to suggest for you is you to go through. Every time you finish one of the books of the Bible, spend a few moments and come up with two or three words or maybe a sentence of what you think that book is about. And the papers that you have in front of you on the backside, you'll see there's space for you to write it down. Or you can just write it in your Bible, your paper Bible as you go through. And so something like in Matthew, you might write down uh, God's kingdom or Jesus fulfilled prophecy or something like that. Whatever you think the main theme is. The reason why I want you to do that is then, again, it helps us kind of remember some things. And so as we go through life or we're having a conversation with somebody, if we start to remember those themes, we'll go, oh, you're struggling with joy. Go to Philippians. Philippians all about joy and learning contentment even in suffering. Okay? What do you guys think? Doable? 20 minutes? 20 minutes out of 1,440, uh, uh, 1, right? Completely doable. Completely doable. And I really want to encourage all of us to do it. And I'm kind of excited that hopefully a lot of us are going to do it and we can hold each other accountable, we can compare notes, we can celebrate 62 days from now 
when we all get done. This morning, what I'd like us to do, just to kind of finish, is, is have everybody just stand up. And maybe in, through prayer, we can just commit or make a promise or a covenant with God that we're going to do this. Not necessarily that you have to do this NT24 thing. You may have your own reading plan or your thought, but it's more about committing, spending 20 minutes in the Bible with God every day. Just making it something we do without question. Make sense? All right, let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I want to thank you that you have given us this incredible book because you love us. You want us to know who you are. And behalf of me and, and maybe our church body here, I just I want to apologize. But so often we allow whatever's happening in the world, in our lives, to take us away from just spending 20 minutes with you. You give us this incredible gift every day of life. You don't ask a lot from us, and so given 20 minutes, it should just be basic for us. I pray right now that you help us to be able to commit. Commit and promise that we're really going to do this. That moving forward, we really, we're really going to spend the time and focus face-to-face on you. I thank you ahead of time of the healing, the transformation, just the incredible things that will happen in our lives when we do this together. Help us to be able to hide your word in our hearts so that when other people encounter us, they see you, that we become so filled with you that we leak you to others, that we can't help but share what's going on and how you're teaching us and how you're changing us. Let us be a church body that is just all about what the Bible says about obeying you and about proclaiming you to a broken world that needs you so desperately. Jesus, thank you for loving us first. And it's in your name that all of God's people said, Amen.